1: Welcome back. It's another week, another show. Thank you for downloading and pressing play. This week, Matthew and I are already on the Zoom call. Hi, Matthew. Hi, David. And we're going to be discussing The Facts of Life, Season 8, Episode 21, Younger Than Springtime. Or as I like to call it, a Dick Van Patten-free
0: episode.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh... We we decided to double up and record two episodes this week. So, uh, literally, we just finished recording last week's show merely minutes ago, where Matthew was on his anti dick rant. Oh my See, god! You're you're pulling back the meat curtain, David. <laughs> I
0: made a I made a conscious effort to change the tone of my voice so I would sound less angry. And, like, it it was a different day. Like, it's a different week. It's a different episode. And now you've pulled back the meat curtain. So now... I'm calling it the meat curtain.
1: And now now they can see everything. This is you happy? This is your happy voice? (laughs) Shut up. Fucker. (laughs) Fucking. And the show had an original air date of March 21st, 1987. Younger than springtime, am I? You you want to take it from there? No, thank you.
0: The next line. Not a big fan of. Not a big fan. I don't know the next line. Not a big Gayer fan. Gayer
1: than laughter, am uh, I? Something and something Something and else Am I With You Jesus Christ Rogers and Hammerstein At their most snooze-tastic I Um, was
0: never a huge fan of Oscars And Hammerstein
1: Rogers and Hammerstein
0: Whoever Was that that from? That's South Pacific South Pacific? Ugh Yep (laughs) Should we make it a drinking game? Like, take a shot every time I go, ugh, because <laughs> I, I'm trying not to, and I don't want to promote alcoholism.
1: Yeah, so go how ahead. about we take a sh- re-listen to last week's show and take a shot every time Matthew <laughs> goes on a rant about Dick Van Patten? Holy uh, shit! Somehow we we unexpectedly released the Kraken on that one. It uh, was, uh, I mean. The venom. The <laughs> thank God we don't have any more Dick Van Patten coming up in the series. Jesus
0: Christ, Becky. <laughs> uh.
1: So let's do some nuts and bolts. You know, like I like to do. This episode was written by Lawrence H. Levy, as an L-E-V-Y, and uh, he. This is this first of two episodes that he will write for the show, he will also go on to write The More the Marrier, which is coming up next season, season nine, episode seven. I don't even remember what the fuck that one's about. But previous to this, Mr. Levy had written for Fantasy Island, The Love Boat, uh, Small Wonder. (laughs) Mm. And he even has credits like uh, Seinfeld and Seventh Heaven. And uh, he's still out there, still writing, as far as I can see. He is still working, but uh, he also wrote for Roseanne. Only one episode, though. A lot of one-offs. His IMDb page, only 27 credits, which is not a lot. So I don't see that he's also a producer. Uh, No. So, okay, he must do other stuff, but this ain't his main bread and butter work. And the episode was directed by John Boab. So... Our same guy. Next week, <laughs> be prepared for plot twist. He didn't do next week's, but this one he did do. <laughs> are you ready for the synopsis, Matthew?
0: Yes, please. Because I'll be honest with you, I had zero interest in the storyline Oh for wow. this episode. Okay. My notes, like zero interest. My notes are like things like, why is Blair wearing a pilgrim's outfit? <laughs> I, have, I, I have notes like... Um, <laughs> Tootie's serving coffee at a Spencer Gifts. So I as far as like the actual storyline, I'm interested. Go ahead. Okay.
1: Joe's father, Charlie, comes for a visit. Joe is expecting him to be bringing his new girlfriend, but learns that he has been dumped. Blair takes it upon herself to try and fix up Charlie with the mother of a friend of hers. And all are shocked when Charlie ends up seriously dating the daughter and not the mother. Our B-Story this week, and we've been doing a lot of this B-Story stuff, Matthew. Have you been noticing this is coming up more and more now? Another slow transition happening uh, of this from a a 70s, 80s sitcom into the the future of television. Our B-Story is Andy wants to go to a rock concert, and Beverly Ann struggles with whether or not she should give him the independence to do so. So there it is. Wow. Yeah, I, I may be getting better at this, maybe. La bet, bet. Could we talk about, let's talk about this B story first. Him wanting to go to this rock concert. We've talked before about the trope of the middle-aged vaudevillian writers saying, what are some jokes we can write about the kids' music? Yeah. Well, the name of the group Andy wants to see is called The Walking Dead. That is not an actual group either before or since, that is not a musical group. Uh, and by the way, the graphic novel, The Walking Dead, didn't happen until 2003, which is what spawned the long-running TV series. But, so
0: if they were never a group, The Walking Dead?
1: No. You're telling me that
0: some punk rock, heavy metal guy wasn't watching this episode and was like, that's a great name for my band and took off with that?
1: We have Toad the Wet Sprocket, which is a joke in a Monty Python sketch on one of their record albums in the 70s. And Toad, it was a joke name for a non-existent band. And somebody went, that's funny, let's do it. I really wondered if there was a group that would later take on that name, but nope, didn't happen. So it's that thing of, um, can I go to the concert and remember the episode with miko the one i did with tim williams this is like season three or four it's early in the series where they want to go to a stray cats concert and mrs garrett's like isn't that the one with a lead singer whose hair is green and didn't he eat his guitar it's
0: like, oh, oh, I didn't know how much I missed a Mrs. Garrett impression. That felt one. weird.
1: I haven't done that in oh. so long. God wow. Damn it. Wow. So I wish I had a better Chloris Leachman that was as much fun to perform and hear. But oh, well. But remember that thing about he eats his guitar? Like they were just coming up with nonsensical, uh, almost absurdist shit. To be, this is how crazy the rock and roll is with the kids today.
0: But in, in their defense around this time, wasn't this like when Ozzy Osbourne was biting the heads off of bats and shit?
1: Yeah, but to say that the lead singer took his pants off and ate them.
0: To say a lead singer bit off the head of a bat, that's too dark, David. They had to make it like ludicrously ridiculous. They couldn't have been like, this is where the guy ripped the cat's heart out on stage. That guy, that's who you want to go see, Andy? They couldn't do that. <laughs> they couldn't say, they could not say in a sitcom in the 80s, isn't that the band where the guy bit the head off of a bat? Oh, <laughs>
1: that, totally
0: takes, that takes a turn. That takes a turn. Yeah. So they have to be kind of ridiculous about it, don't they?
1: Where's right. your sense of whimsy, David? <laughs> oh, oh dick van patten is my sense of whimsy bitch uh, <laughs> don't make me bring up dick <laughs> when you start talking with you lost your whi- dick made you lose your whimsy and fast last week wow i i am not going to even bite that low-hanging fruit <laughs> the low-hanging Go dick on. as it were Ooh. uh <laughs> You see, I need my comedy somehow rooted in reality. So, lead singer take off his pants and ate them. Even the how quickly could you eat a pair of pants? <laughs> Who did they come off of? Before I answer that question, yeah, <laughs> are they from Ashton Kutcher? Uh, very quickly, David. Yeah, but um,
0: are they Mick Jagger's? He's like ninety, so yeah. Probably, I mean, I guess, but it well, it depends. Ah. Come on!
1: (laughs) Sheboygan! But the idea that you bite the head off of a bat, that's a quick, crazy thing that actually happened. Now, if they had said, isn't it on where he tears the safety pins out of his pants and eats them like something a little bit more believably weird, eating a pair of pants to me takes it one step too into the crazy. I'm sorry. That's not, it's just not a good joke. It's not good writing. I and then it was a
0: good joke, but I mean,
1: and then Natalie adds, yeah, there was a show in Chicago where they ripped up their instruments, set them on fire and jumped over them with a motorcycle. And that was just during a ballad. Ha ha. So all of this stupid, stupid shit that, older writers are writing about the kids music later we have jokes about it being loud speaking of charlotte ray when andy is listening to the music on the walkman and says hey beverly ann you want to listen and he puts the walkman headphones on her and plays it and she does a big buggy eyed crossed eyed take worthy of charlotte ray didn't didn't isn't that the point when you went oh my god they are sisters I see it now.
0: No, I, that I, that thought did not run through my head. <laughs> um, at this point, I wrote down, um, they've stolen two jokes from the Golden Girls already. And I didn't do the research to find out where the episode was. But you remember the episode that opens with the girls had been gone to a Madonna concert. Oh, bless. Um, but there's also that um, when they go and turn up um, like, Sophia's listening to Purple Rain and shit like that on her okay. headphones, and they turn they
1: turn them up real loud, and she ah, she jumps. But anyway, so huh, so let's move on to the A story, back to the dad, right. and not the All awful right. B story. Alex Rocco returns to the series as Charlie Paul Palmachek. His eight appearance out of eleven, he is the most prevalent parent on the series because Marge Dusay only appears on eight. And we know that uh you know Mindy Cohn's mother and only appears a couple of times, Joe's mother's only a couple of times. We we barely see Tootie's parents.
0: They're all coming back next episode, aren't they? Don't we get a don't we get a big heap in helping a fudge?
1: No, Marge. Her name's not fudge, it's Marge. <laughs> Matthew. Um, so anyway, just want to point that out. There is a weird thing of when he's there, and then he decides to stay. When it's like, why don't you stay here? Part of me was like, where? We're back to the where the fuck do people stay? Thank God we did set him up on the couch. Okay, uh, that well, did. I did calm down.
0: Yeah. Well, Andy's you know died by the boiler, so <laughs> we can't um, can't have you use that spare yeah. room.
1: Yeah. Exactly. Um, it's uh, it's the morning before right before charlie appears actually um we do have a moment where beverly says to the girls isn't it time to open the store and they're all like oh yeah wow we gotta get go we gotta get to work <laughs> and it's like whoa what 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 got into you all that suddenly someone is minding the store shit <laughs> there is a lovely blair character moment where when Charlie shows up, Joe is like, well, where's the girlfriend? He's like, ah, oh, she couldn't make it. So uh, he goes to the bathroom or something. He's not in the room. And Blair says, ooh, it's it's really too bad. You know, really, you know, be nice to him this weekend. He needs your support. And Joe's like, what the fuck are you talking about? And Blair's like, well, clearly he's been dumped. And Joe says, he didn't say he was dumped. And Blair goes, ah, Joe. Joe Jo Joe, Joe, that Natalie, 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 that thing of, oh, you sweet, young, innocent, naive, albeit ruthless little child, to quote Sue Ann Niven. And sure enough, Blair is right. Blair totally clocked it because Blair is this, you know, perfect uh, sage of love, which is then very quickly shot down when she tries to fix up Alex and it ends up being the daughter that he goes Ooh. out with so I'm just kind of going in random order here with just some random stuff. The scene that they cut from syndication is actually two short scenes. It's the scene after Blair says, let's fix up your dad. And Joe says, no, Joe leaves the bedroom. Blair is alone. She picks up the phone in the bedroom. Again, where did the phone in the bedroom come from? It's not always there. Is that an extension? Is that the business line? Not going to go there. Just saying. Um, And then that, in the syndicated version, quickly dissolves to uh Alex Rocco coming down the stairs and saying hello to Andy. Well, preceding that, Andy actually comes into the store where Tootie and Natalie are there, and he's saying, Guys, I really want to go to this rock concert. And initially, Beverly Ann had asked them, What do you think? And they gave this roster rundown of all the crazy shit, at which point Beverly Ann's like, No, you're not going to that concert. So now Andy is kind of like, guys. I thought you might help me out here. And so Tootie says, you know what? You want help with how to go to the concert? I'll tell you. And all I can think of is, you see, when I wanted to go to a Jermaine Jackson concert, I just pitched a fucking fit and cried my ass yeah. off and scared Mrs. Garrett into letting me go. So that's probably a good way you should do it. Totally. That's my I, recommendation.
0: I, but I would have accepted had she said, okay, this is how you do
1: it. <clears throat> Cry (laughs) or something,
0: you know, but like
1: yeah. But what they do come back to him with is help her around the house, do things for her, and the punchline, Natalie, basically kiss up. And that's supposed to, it's supposed to sound like a punchline. You know, it's because they wanted it to be kiss her ass. They wanted it to be a little more pointed. And so that's what precipitates the scene now that we're back in the syndicated version with Andy helping. Beverly and with the bag of groceries and offering to clean the kitchen and all that stuff. That's what that is. That's the one scene that's missing there. And I love then, um, that you
0: got all, I love that you got all that out of that because I, I was so uninterested in the storyline, <laughs> <laughs> A A or B. Um, all I got out of it, because, you know, I love to watch some prop work. Tootie had helped these customers. She'd poured some coffee for them.
1: Were Spencer there customers? Gift? I didn't yes. even notice there were customers. I wasn't. I'm so busy fucking typing my shit.
0: Ugh. She literally takes their 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 credit card and a bill that she has left on their table as she pours coffee, and she goes and she runs like she goes and stands and has this conversation while she's like supposedly ringing them up, but it's so she's like not even looking at the cash register. She's just like. <laughs> Po- pushing buttons, and then she does something that I just completely forgot about. Well, remember in the eighties when you ran a credit card, you had that fucking chunk machine. Oh, the slide—the the, uh, the thing you slid left and right. uh did you ever work in retailer? Oh, fuck yes, Where I did. Use one of those. I loved running a credit card back in when I started in when I was in retail. Mm. Like, chunk. Here's your copy
1: in triplicate. For Christ's sake and and to see if the credit card was stolen you had a little newsprint book of the numbers in sequence that they sent you every week it was a paper it was like you know a little it was like a, a size of maybe a, a third of a comic book the bottom third of a comic book about that thick you know tiny type literally all the card numbers that had been stolen so every card you took if you didn't know the customer you'd have to look through this little tiny list and see And then modern times hit in the 80s, Matthew. And suddenly, we didn't have carbons anymore. Suddenly, the carbon paper went away, and we had the no carbon required paper, NCR. And then it became a phone number, we could call and punch in the number and immediately know if the credit card was declined or not. But it was a manual, you have to type in, you'd have to get approval. F- by the credit like by, like You would pay with a credit card and they would have to Call Visa <laughs> like, yeah. can I
0: use This credit card
1: <laughs> yeah and, and at one time you called and you talked To a person and they would just tell You like it was a person's job to sit there And just be like mm. Yep they're fine Approval number uh, 27843 yeah That's good it was so analog, the fact that our, you know, our cash registers, we didn't have an internet, we didn't have an intranet, or our computers weren't able to do that. When you think of now, how everything is, I fucking tap my Apple Watch, tap, tap, and put my watch, hover it over a little box, and if there's not enough money in my checking account, if something has fucked up seriously that my ATM card isn't working, I know instantly, isn't that blow your mind? I, yeah. And I remember
0: like how it was a big deal, like for a while to ask for the carbon.
1: Oh my God, you're right. Because if you threw the carbon away, people could take and see that. Yeah. You're totally right. You are totally right.
0: For a while, it was like, you want your receipt? Do you want the carbon? Yes, please. I you remember my the mom carbons? Always <laughs> having to get the carbons. Do you want the carbons? It was yep. always that. It was We're two because you, you had
1: three because you had three. You had yeah. one copy for them, one for us and one that you sent off to Visa to actually do the charge. If you didn't send that thing into Visa, if you forgot or you lost that, they didn't get charged. You didn't get your fucking money. Like that was insane. <laughs> oh,
0: insane. Yep. But that was more interesting to me than the plot both a or b plot of this episode was watching things like that and charlie says i'm gonna go out and buy
1: a newspaper um oh my god it's so funny (laughs) all right we don't have one delivered they were reading last week they were all three of them reading newspapers anyway george got the newspaper delivered from fucking kuwait yeah but charlie's
0: gotta go out and buy the peak skill (laughs) press
1: all right so we do smartly have a little scene with Alex Rocco and Cloris Leachman. I'm happy to see two veteran actors uh, going at it, having a nice little scene where she says, I don't know what to do about this thing. I know, I know he's sucking up to me because he wants me to let him go to this concert. And Charlie does say, I wasn't father of the year, but sometimes you have to let him go to bring him closer which was nice and good advice. And thank God he did preface it with, yeah, I, I did time. There was a period of time I was in a prison. So uh wasn't there for the daughter, but it is really nice. Their relationship is good. And I love the chemistry between uh, him and Joe, as well as this nice little short scene. Um, Anyhow, ding dong, Blair has set up that, she and her friend Cynthia are going to a museum or something. And Cynthia has shown up with her mother, Margaret, at which point Blair is like, oh my God, Charlie, why don't you come with us? Oh my Lord. So let's talk about these actors playing Cynthia (laughs) and Margaret. Cynthia is played by Susan Walters and Wikipedia summed it up perfectly. She is an American actress and former model best known for her roles as Lorna Forbes on the ABC daytime soap opera, Loving, from 83 to late 86. So that predates this. And as Diane Jenkins on the CBS soap opera, The Young and the Restless from 2001 to 2004, again briefly in 2010, and once more starting in March, 2022. That's two months ago, she's back. Walters had recurring roles as Principal Rimkus on the CW's One Tree Hill, Carol Lockwood on the CW's The Vampire Diaries, and as Natalie Martin on the MTV series Teen Wolf. So, a lot of series Ms. Walters has been on. Yeah. And this is very early in her career. Thank you, Wikipedia, for that. And I haven't seen her in a single one of them. (laughs) (laughs) Nope. (laughs) Nope. Now, her mother, Linda Henning, Henning's most notable role was as Betty Jo Bradley in the CBS series Petticoat Junction, which ran from 1963 to 1970. So uh, she has a lot of other roles, but that was her big thing. And she appeared in the entire run of that show, all but two of the 222 episodes of Petticoat Junction. Did you know Petticoat Junction rang that long? No. (laughs) I had no, it's like, Fuck. One thing that
0: I don't know, it's about Petticoat Junction.
1: (laughs) Granted, it was the 60s back when they were doing like 35 episodes a season. You know, they weren't the pansies like this, like Facts of Life, only doing 24. Yeah. Yep. Afterwards, when Charlie is preparing for another date where we assume he's going to be going out with the mother, ding dong, it's Cynthia at the door. By the way, could we talk about the name Cynthia Matthew? Where have we heard that name before? Oof! The Brady Bunch. Ah, uh, no, the Facts of Life. Two other ah. times. Cynthia is the name of the girl who took her own life in. Oh God! In that early episode, and then remember in uh, the one that they did live. Kids can be cruel. The first one was called. Um, God, what was the suicide episode called? It was called a, uh, not end of the rope, end of the line, under pressure, under. Was that it? Was it under pressure? Breaking point. Very close. Molly's Holiday. Molly's, Molly's Holiday. Not, no. That was the episode
0: that was that was the suicide, I believe.
1: <laughs> but then remember later in Kids Can Be Cruel when Natalie admits her crush on the boy and he says, "Oh, I've been seeing this girl Cynthia." And we joked about, "Oh my god, does he not know?" <laughs> But then in the live version, Jason Bateman changed it. He says, I've been seeing this girl. I think he said, Amanda. Amanda is his wife's name or whatever his name, his wife's name is, which is a cute little touch. But anyhow, this is kind of like what what's Cynthia's last name, writers? Is it by any chance Parker? You uncreative people who keep regurgitating the same stupid names. Remember how many fucking Parkers we've had on this show?
0: Maybe there's a lady like that works in the office named Cynthia.
1: Well, I hate her anyhow. Oh, (laughs) I. you know how you feel about Dick Van Patten? I feel that way about the name Cynthia.
0: Understood. Understood. You have severe feelings about Cynthia. I get it.
1: I do. And I have no reason to hate the name Cynthia other than come up with a different goddamn name. You're writers. It's your job to be creative. Somebody in the room, a producer couldn't say, you know, we've had C- uh, Cynthia mentioned twice and we could pick up uh, any other name that sounds nicer to the ear. Cynthia, not Cindy.
0: Well, Cindy? Cindy's a little, I mean. it's a little girl your- voice. Yeah. Yeah. I love that that's what you got out of that. And I was so uninterested in the B plot and the A plot <laughs> when Cynthia walked back in and said, said wait for me out in the car i thought you were gonna wait for me on the car and they were going out to eat and she said i thought we should call and make reservations right before you go yeah yeah and and then that made me think i thought as a kid dinner reservations were going to be a much bigger deal as an adult i don't know why tv made me think that i would be eating at a lot more restaurants that required reservations and I realize we work and live at Walt Disney World, where it is more common, but like I I don't know of a restaurant in Fort Wayne, Indiana that requires
1: reservations. <laughs> let alone skill. Um, I feel like that might be a, a bigger city, New York, Los Angeles thing. And but
0: are they going to New York? They are going to <laughs> New York in this, right? He's taking her to
1: his favorite. Uh, place no, this is to place. that the super shishi french restaurant la petit chateau you know uh, probably has a string quartet you've talked about all these five star restaurants with music and gourmet chefs and all that in fucking right, in peak skill yeah <laughs> that's probably <laughs> one of them i thought of you i can't believe you didn't uh get after that anyway
0: so i thought i don't know i just thought reservations for dinner were going to well, be a bigger thing as an adult than i well, guess they actually ended up being Here's a reservation at Pizzeria Uno's, and that's about as fancy as I get.
1: To be <laughs> I guess you're right. It's like quicksand and uh, kidnappings. We'll add uh, restaurant <laughs> restaurant reservations to that list of things we were misled about in our youth.
0: <laughs> and dry cleaning, and dry cleaning. I thought yeah. dry cleaning was going to be big. I mentioned that before. But anyway. You did.
1: That's just you, though. So, yeah.
0: That's um, what I got out of that scene. (laughs) (laughs) I have no idea what I just, I totally tuned out what was happening, how Charlie was feeling. If he was feeling anything, if Joe was feeling anything, I didn't care. I don't know why this episode just did not hit me in any of the feels.
1: Yeah. Interesting. It's not, I mean, it's not the greatest overall. It's, it's fine. Yeah. It's it's good to have Alex Rocco back. I'm never ever mad at him being on the show. So uh when we go to commercial, that's when it is realized that, you know, Blair, this th- this has fucked up. Now Charlie's dating the young one. So yeah. <laughs> uh yeah. Joe chases Blair up the stairs. We go to commercial. Syndicated version, when we come back from commercial, it's Joe sitting on the couch waiting up for Charlie to talk with him after one of his dates. Cut from syndication is a scene that preceded this. Uh, And there's actually a still of this scene over the end credits. When you watch the end credits, you're like, when did that happen? This is where it happened. It's a continuation of that. Joe is still chasing Blair, but they're in the bedroom now. And she's like, what the fuck? And she's like, well, I I didn't know that that was gonna happen. And Joe's like, you should have minded your own business. Well, Tootie and Natalie come out of their room and they're like, what's going on? And a great thing where Tootie says, it sounds like this is none of our business. And Natalie says, yeah, if we had any class, we'd leave. And they both sit down like, bitch, we ain't leaving, which I fucking love. And this is a nice little scene because it's the four of them. It's the four girls all talking about the problem this week. So I'm sad this had to go. It is really nice. And it's wonderful because Tootie and Natalie take opposing viewpoints. Natalie's like, You know, what are you so upset about, Joe? It's only one date. And Tootie's like, what do you mean? Every great romance started with one date. Joe could be calling this girl mom someday. And anyway, and Natalie says, well, as far as the age difference, I wouldn't mind a young man when I'm an old bag. I wouldn't mind one now. (laughs) That is classic Natalie. God, it was just beautiful. The character writing and the character work, the Blair being snobby about knowing men better than Joe and then that biting her in the ass, uh, the whole thing of making Joe admit Blair was right and Joe was wrong, that stuff, that's all good. I have to credit the writing in this show for that. So then the Joe in living room scene when Charlie comes back, this is where she lays it out and he says, you know, this kind of stupid sitcom theme. Well, don't talk to me like I'm your father. Talk to me like I'm a friend. And she's like, okay, oh buddy, oh pal. Uh, when you're with Cynthia, you look like a ridiculous old fool. What? You can't talk to me like that. Notice I'm doing a partial Boston accent because Alex Rocco, yeah. that accent is more Bostonian than New Yorkian. Oh, I was getting Dick Van Patten. I would never give you Dick, Matthew. I know how angry it makes you. Turns me into a raging bitch. <laughs> uh. Oh, so he does try to pull off the Cynthia special and she makes me happy. And I was hoping you'd be happy for me. And it ends with Joe just saying, I'll try, Dad. I really will. And then uh she does say, Come on, Charlie. Have you ever made that mistake
0: with your parents? I, like, just been, well, you know, Deb. Like th- that, that would never ever in a million years happen. That wouldn't I, fly. I don't, yeah. Well, not wouldn't fly. I mean, I don't think it would matter to my parents. Like they wouldn't be upset. It would just, I, w- I don't look at my dad and say, Oh, where's Jim? It, who does that? Who would be talking? Who would be talking to their parents to be like, okay, Deb, what n- n- that really? <laughs> that's what I get. that's what I got out of that scene. I was like, she just called her dad Charlie. And he's like, Don't call me, don't call me Charlie. I'm your father. That was a much closer Alex
1: Rocco voice. Thank you. But it, it, it just, always I was always showing me up. Really. I
0: was like, I was like, oh, that's what I got out of that scene. Cause once again, I'll mention I didn't give a shit about the plot <laughs> of what was happening in this episode. <laughs>
1: And, and what's worse to me is when Cynthia shows up While he's getting ready So it's just Cynthia and Joe And Cynthia refers to him as Chuck Yeah, And Joe, like all of us, are like What in the fuck? Chuck, what? So um, she's kind of like You don't really like me and all that And basically what it boils down to is When they're alone, Cynthia's like "Yeah, Don't have, you have a problem with this It's just a fling and Joe's like, I think he's a little more serious about this than you think he is. And Cynthia says it's only been a week and I'm only 23. What is he thinking? Uh so uh and he's Do you want me to go into detail about what
0: he's thinking? Cynthia? Cynthia? Or, or was yeah. that a rhetorical question? What is <laughs> what is the 51 year old man thinking while the 23-year-old is sitting is on the other side of the tennis court?
1: Yeah, yeah. Anyway, the last word in that is that she says well, he's a big boy; he can take care of himself; he won't get hurt. Is kind of the way Cynthia leaves it. So it's kind of bitch. her saying, "I know." She didn't say care.
0: "bitch" as she watched. Out. Did she? Maybe that was cut bitch from the syndicated she, version. It must have been because I maybe no that was me that said that. I added it <laughs> as I as I watched. <laughs>
1: So uh, then we're in the living room, the final scene, Beverly Ann and Joe, Andy's at the concert. So it's kind of the wrapping up of the Andy storyline where she says, well, Beverly Ann, you're starting to get a hang of this mother stuff. And she says, yeah, I let Andy go to the concert with his friends, I didn't go with him. And I sent Tootie, Natalie and Blair to sit 10 rows behind him. Andy comes in in spiked colored hair a clip-on skeleton earring, a Grim Reaper shirt, like full satanic panic garb. Yeah. And, and he had the best time, I got to say, the comedy of the girls walking in after him, Blair, Tootie, and Natalie. <laughs> These three, dressed like they are, clearly not in their element, walking <laughs> in, having just experienced that concert. And Beverly Ann says, oh, girls, how was the movie? And I don't know who the first one that says it. They just go, loud. Very loud. Loudest movie in the world. And he says, what did you girls see? And they go, children of a lesser God.
0: (laughs) That was the most brilliant line of the episode. Yes.
1: For those that don't know, children of a lesser God is a film about hearing impaired people. It is the film for which Marlee Matlin won her Oscar. And it is primarily in sign language. And William Hurt narrating whenever she would yeah. do her talking and her thing, and he'd just say the words as he would listen to watch her do the sign language and William Hurt would just talk like that.
0: So, um, so it's not a loud movie, but she's also kind of making a commentary on what she saw tonight.
1: Yeah, Children
0: exactly. exactly. God. <laughs> these, these people need Jesus.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it was good. And Children of Lesser God opened in October of 86. It was a fairly recent release. Probably would not still be in the theaters now in the spring of 87. But, you know, Matthew, one can look a little too closely at these things sometimes. I think we need to cut this show some slack, don't you? Yeah. Where's your sense of whimsy, David? Yeah. That's, that's, I would call that whimsical. And I am here for it. I'm here for the whimsy that they serve when they put a movie in a movie theater that would clearly have already been gone for six months and already be released in home video. Just be glad she
0: didn't say, you know, what did you see? The Jazz Singer. Yeah. You know, (laughs) a silent film, for God's sake.
1: Yeah. I saw, yeah. Birth of a Nation. (laughs) (laughs) That would make the kids laugh. Um, that's a silent picture anyway it was um, before the talkies Um. so um, and of course the punchline is Andy knew they were there the whole time whoa caught. okay thank you B-Story bye bye let's wrap up this Joe and Dad thing could we please and thank you Charlie comes back but Even though dinner was good, they've broken up. And Joe says, it's probably for the best. She's young. She's fickle. Doesn't even know what she wants. And here's his way of describing it. And I like this because I was helping her with a problem at school. And you and I went through the same discussion. And the more time I spent where the more it was like spending time with my daughter. If I'm going to spend time with someone's daughter, I want it to be my own, especially someone who lets her dad make her own mistakes. That
0: was beautiful. Love. I love that you got that out of that scene.
1: What did um, you, Matthew, in your hate watch of this, what did you get out of that scene? It
0: wasn't It wasn't hate watch. It was something, please give me something else to think about. Um, and he took her to his favorite restaurant. And that's the restaurant that Joe says, that's where he only takes special people to. And I thought, well, that's a sick. It's, I can't think of another example, but I feel like that's kind of a Hollywood tropey kind of thing. Like, oh, he's got a the restaurant he takes all his dates to. Yeah. Like, do you have a do you have that restaurant,
1: uh, yeah. I do not
0: I don't I can't do you? What is he's, it?
1: Uh the IKEA dining room. Hello. That is why you've never taken me to the IKEA dining room. I, but, I haven't been on a date in several years. I don't know why that is, but I put that but right I, in my OK Cupid profile too. Don't get no hits. I do not understand. I just I don't
0: I can't imagine. Like I was consumed when he mentioned that, and that was the storyline. I was like, I, I wouldn't want to. I mean, I have a restaurant that I love to take people to because what is it? It's beaches and cream at the oh, Yacht yeah. Beach Club. Because Absolutely. you can get a, a, a wonderful meal and then a fabulous dessert it's just fun but um I can't imagine having a restaurant where I only take quote-unquote special people to as a single person walking there that's where Susan and I sat when she broke my heart okay (laughs) there's yeah we dated for six years before she cheated on me with that motherfucker (laughs) oh over there that's where Brenda and I sat she ordered the fish and then got violently ill. And like, I wouldn't that restaurant be just full of terrible memories? <laughs> or am I the only person that like, I mean- I'm friends with some of my exes, but like not, you know, every, I don't know. It just, I, I I was consumed with having a restaurant that you only take certain people to. And then you're filled with this restaurant full of memories that are just like awful to mm-hmm. relive. And everybody there is like, Oh, here comes Charlie, that asshole. You know how he <laughs> is
1: with another oh, bitch. To, Jesus,
0: right? With another bitch. i got to keep up with with charlie's dating life now so i'm not like oh your daughter no my girlfriend yeah shit like that have have you brought this one here
1: before am i supposed to recognize her and remember her yeah
0: exactly and then i thought he went to he took her to his favorite restaurant which i'm assuming is in the bronx and then hopped on the train back to back
1: to Peekskill, so he could not sleep in his own bed zoop zoop back to Peekskill. and at one point he says joe you've been acting weird the last few days i'm like What, is he on vacation? What the fuck is he doing here and sleeping here when graduation's coming up in a couple of weeks when more likely he's going to want to take some time off? What in the shit is, why is he here? He works for a living. We know he has a job. What is happening? What
0: is the last, the very last thing made me think that they did not
1: cue the applause and laughter soon enough. The last joke is so egregiously awful and bad. And it sounds like they had a joke and it didn't work and they just wrote something else. And he delivers it so half-heartedly. But anyhow, he says, yeah, you know, it wasn't going to work out. I'm an old fashioned guy. And Joe says, oh, come on. Who are you kidding? You're the hippest guy in town. And he says, well, I thought so until I saw Cynthia's earrings. They were tiny, weird skeletons hanging. I don't know, like little things like that. And then he does a facepalm, leans on Joe, freeze frame, roll credits. So it's supposed to be a reference to Andy had on a long, dangly skeleton earring. Right. So is it just about the thing? About, yeah, she's one of those yes. crazy kids into rock and roll. That's how I knew it wasn't going to work. It came across to me
0: like Rocco, the actor, thought that the applause and laughter, like that line was supposed to fade out, you know, as the applause and like it would be one of those things where it's like they kind of still quote unquote talking as the music start, you know what I mean? You are so right.
1: They you were tiny, I mean? weird skeletons. <laughs> clap, yeah. clap, 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 clap. Yeah. And then it's, have him, the, the hubbub hubbub would be hanging. I don't know, little things like. Yeah,
0: you wouldn't even hear the, just hanging like that. All you would see was him go like that, you know, as the yeah. applause and the music started. So I, I feel like he thought that that was the punchline. They these Well, they were supposed to dub in had- and
1: they forgot to. This is a mistaken post, clearly where they, they didn't look at the shooting yeah. draft properly.
0: Or they didn't realize where the joke was because he was such a good actor. He's like, you know, continuing, quote unquote, the scene. Yeah. Because just because the show's over doesn't mean this world is ending. Yeah. So he's continuing. Anyway, but that's what I thought. Uh, that's all I have
1: about that, David. <laughs> I'm I'm done too. Not my favorite, but at least when you know you've these shows have okay there's a problem every episode every week we have to have a conundrum a conundrum and it has to somehow be solved and in these episodes where it's a person acting weirdly we had this last week with beverly ann and not wanting to sell the house and then this person needs to somehow come to their senses and if unfortunately the writing is not able to make them arrive there through what we watch happen on the show, at the very least, when they talk about it, whatever the thing is that makes them change their mind, it needs to have some nugget of believable, believable truth to it. So that's my long way of saying, I like that. He said, we were having a conversation. I realized I had the same conversation with you. It was like being with someone's daughter and I'd rather spend the time with my own daughter. I actually liked that. If that had to be the solution to this show, fine. I I wasn't mad at that. I was more mad at the B story and the stupidity of most kids and their their rock and roll eight track tapes. Whoa. So I didn't care about either of them. (laughs)
0: I didn't hate yeah. it. I didn't love it. I just, I didn't, I honestly just didn't just care. didn't care.
1: Yeah. Sorry. Wow. Well, Maybe next week, Matthew, you will care more when Blair is faced with how to get into law school. When we yeah. discuss season eight, episode 22 called This Is Only a Test. If you all want to watch the episode ahead of time, dear listeners, uh, the link is right there in the show notes. And it will also be on the episode's web page. And uh, that is all for this week. Yeah. Anything else you want to add, Sweet P?
0: Next week for the show, I'm going to try to get the guest, since it's about getting into law school, I'm going to try to get Marsha Clark from okay. the O.J. Simpson trial. See, uh, see if she's available.
1: <laughs> I was thinking of contacting Robert Kardashian. haven't heard a lot from him lately. You know? I don't know whatever happened to him. That guy. so So. thank you so much guys for listening to this week's show and remember how are you going to do it this week i love that you every week come up with an interesting way to deliver oh my god the facts of life
0: are all about you they were just these little things like they like that oh i thought you
1: were gonna cue the applause okay oh no i'm sorry i thought you were done
0: That was the best Alex Rocco, I think, that has been recorded on this podcast, David.
1: Oh, okay. We'll we'll go with that.
0: Let's Face the Facts was created, produced, written, hosted, and edited by the wonderful David Almeida. Our theme song was beautifully arranged and recorded by Ned Wilkinson. Please visit facethefactspod.com for supplemental photos and videos links to social media, and ways that you can support the show. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. This is Matthew Arder saying tune in again next week for another thrilling episode of Let's Face the Facts.